Jalik Rainwalker was 12 years old when he went missing November 1, 2007, while staying with his adoptive father, Stephen Kerr, in a relative's unoccupied home overnight. The following morning, Stephen Kerr told police that when he woke up, Jalik was gone. Did Jalik really run away, or did his father do something terrible that night? You're listening to Creep It Real, and today we cover the story of 12-year-old Jalik Rainwalker. This is Ashley. You're listening to Creep It Real. And today I have a very special guest helping me, Holly from Murdup. Hi. Hi, Holly. What's up? Oh, nothing. You're just saving my butt. So <laughs> happy to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So today we are talking about one of the most depressing topics I've ever read about in my life, I think. But also infuriating and I feel like I don't know man I'm like already kind of questioning myself because I'm like do I say just off the bat that I think this dude is a dick I mean you so I I I looked through everything uh Mm -hmm. pretty quickly just to you know have a little information for when we sat down to record and I mean I think you have to say up top that he sucks I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty like, quick into it that you're like, what is this story? Like, what are you talking oh, about? It just doesn't remotely, even in the slightest, sound genuine or... Ugh. Anyway, okay. So, yeah, we're talking about 12-year-old Jalik Rainwalker, who went missing while staying at a house with his father overnight. And as you heard in the the opening, his father woke up and said that he'd slept through the night and 12-year-old Jalik just managed to escape without him waking up or having any money and has never been seen or found since. His adoptive father, I mean, we're going to talk about him a lot and if you're one of those people that's like, I don't like to hear your opinion, I think you should turn this one off. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and run you off because I, <laughs> I don't think I can really do anything but be upfront about my opinions about this because there's just too many hanky things that have gone on here yeah I mean I I completely agree I I think that um that you kind of you have to have an opinion on this if you don't it's just like he hasn't well we'll get into it but it's you just have to you have to sorry yeah Yeah, he's I'm just gonna go ahead and say it he's garbage okay so this this stepfather or or adopted father is garbage (laughs) Jalik Rainwalker was born to a drug addicted mother it was crack cocaine that she was addicted to and so that obviously affected his development as a fetus and then he went on to live in six different foster homes before he was adopted by jocelyn mcdonald and stephen kerr the parents who adopted him right before he went missing his former foster parents jody and larry shone who cared for him for four years, described Jalik as a very intelligent but very troubled child. The Shones had originally planned to adopt him, but after he attacked their daughter when he was seven, they decided he could no longer stay in their home. So obviously, Jalik ended up with some developmental issues that caused him to, I think I'm jumping ahead, but I'm just going to say it, uh, he, he was diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, which is something that means that you don't really 
create attachments to the parental figures in your life and you kind of you get more uncomfortable by other people's attention and whenever you need to like calm down or something that that needs to be done by yourself so you can see how that probably would uh cause some issues whenever you're trying especially when you're trying to create bonds with potential you know adoptive parents and foster homes yeah yeah it's it's very sad that I mean, it, it must be so frustrating for him because being intelligent but having so many issues that were beyond your control. Exactly. And going pretty it, much ignored, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and, and then th- this, you have someone who's interested in, you know, um, taking you in for adoption, but they d- ultimately decide not to because you can't, you don't know how to express yourself. Right. Yes. Any other way. Yes, exactly. It was horrible to say the least so jocelyn mcdonald and stephen kerr were somehow deemed a therapeutic foster home and when they adopted jalik they received a about seventeen hundred dollars a month for taking him in um i I guess because they had designated themselves as a therapeutic home which that's a decent amount of money to be getting yeah yeah to adopt a child which i mean i know that gosh it's just such a hard thing because it's like i would love to think that people don't do this kind of thing for the money but i've already covered a case or two where people do it for the money you know so it's like man that's a lot uh anyway but i guess i mean it's it's definitely something that that people do and it's very sad that like you you would use a kid in that sense and i mean they have another um yeah i mean have other kids so it seems like why would you be like that but I guess, you know, for some reason. I mean, I guess also it's potentially a way to help maybe kids that are harder to find homes for, you know, to like if if the people they they go to receive some money. But it just seems like that could get, uh, what is the, what's the dang simple term I'm looking for? Not shady, but corrupt. That could become a corrupt system. There we go. Uh, Very easily because obviously people can want the money. But, you know, I know it also is not easy to take in a child that has behavioral issues either. So, you know, I mm-hmm. so I guess there's kind of a – I can see both sides. But we'll see some more weird stuff about that as we go on. So the family already had three biological sons and one adopted daughter when they adopted Jalik. And these children's ages ranged from 8 to 14 at the time of his disappearance. They lived in a home in the Greenwich Hamlet of Casayuna, New York. Yeah. And they had no running water in their home. The only toilets that they had were in outhouses. They had no TV, and the only electricity was from a generator that ran a few hours during the day. So I find it awfully odd that they would even let Julie go to this home in the first place, because that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, how is this a, a therapeutic home? I have no idea. I really I, don't. I mean, I don't. I don't understand. I, it, okay, the the no TV thing. Okay, yeah, that's, okay, sure. That's pretty weird, but all right, right. I get that. The <laughs> the generator thing that sounds really dangerous already. And then like, yeah, who who just goes to a house like that and is like, oh, no running water, toilets outside? Yeah, let's put <laughs> yeah. more children in this situation. Really, I just do not understand. I don't. Obviously, the foster care system is in shambles. So. I understand that, you know, 
there's so many times. I mean, how many times have you read a story where you're like, how did the foster or the foster care I'm like the foster care company, the foster care system, <laughs> um, like a, the adoption system, CPS, like all of it is just over. They're, they're overworked. They don't, they can't keep mm-hmm. you know they can't keep up with everything. So you know, sorry to everybody that's working in those <laughs> those areas, but it is in shambles. Okay, just uh, like <laughs> it really is. I mean, you yeah. know, there are people who are really trying hard to make sure these situations don't occur. Exactly, but you can't you can't be everywhere every you know, every day. Yeah. So. so, I mean, and I guarantee like a 12 year old child with severe behavioral issues and other issues that make it hard for him to create bonds with people. I, I just, I don't think they're probably looking too hard into everything. Obviously they're not because this is crazy. So the family was described as conservationists and all the children were homeschooled because according to Kerr, it was better for the environment for them to be homeschooled. Uh, I kind of feel like he's a little paranoid and he's like suspicious of everybody in the outside world a little bit as we'll go on you'll see this but I feel like he's just kind of controlling and abusive and I don't think he wanted his children to be exposed to the outside world at all not because they were it was better for the environment but because he was a dickhead yeah you know it very much seems like that yeah I mean you, you you take away pretty much every everything that makes it uh makes gives them privacy oh absolutely i mean so i didn't even think really about that part of it but you're so right because yeah they all slept in one creepy room together which i didn't really think about the fact they don't have privacy i was just thinking that's just weird to begin with but yeah all slept in one room and the kids all ran around naked and stuff even though i mean by that point they're old enough that's not normal behavior you know, no, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not approved, but like that seems a little inappropriate, probably. That's yeah. Ah, uh, you know, that many. I, it, it, yeah. <laughs> there's a difference between like every now and then the kids like they went swimming. Yeah. And then, like, but in, in like, yeah, like children. But it's like you said by this point, still eight to 14. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. You don't have 14-year-olds just running around naked with 8-year-olds. I know that there I know there are people out there that are like that's the bo- the human body's natural. I understand, but like as a society that's not how we generally are, you know? So it is abnormal. And when you're having just kids doing it, I am just wary about this man in general. I'm like, what is happening here? Well, there's a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like you said, they're not toddlers. They're they're old enough that they probably should be wearing clothing. And why 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 are they all sleeping in one room? I mean, it's all very suspicious. Yeah. But the icing on the cake here is that although the family lived on the limited ex- electricity, like we said, with just the generator running a couple hours during the day, Stephen Kerr himself had a cell phone and a computer, which is super typical of an abusive person who wants to take things away from the people that they're abusing, but they are allowed all these things themselves. So, cool. It sounds like a family cult in itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. He has all the things, all the power, and they have, you know, naked running (laughs) around together. Yeah. They can't even... They, but they have no idea that any of the things that are being done are abnormal because they have no exposure to anyone else but themselves. You know, and poor yeah. Jalik had been going from house to house, passed around essentially, until he thought he finally, you know, found his family. And this is what he was taken to. So that's, I'm sure, great. Yeah. And, and you know, he doesn't, he knows different. So for him, it, it's putting, 
it's putting him in a very weird situation that again it's it's how did this I mean, the, I guess the ultimate question always is, is how does this happen? But right. yeah, it, it must be very troubling and, and and confusing to him. Right. I mean, poor Jalik, to see him just never have had a chance in his life. Like I talked about earlier, he was exposed to cocaine and alcohol in utero. So he suffered from severe emotional problems and he had violent outbursts as a result. So this is something that had been reported by multiple of the families that he had been living with in the in the past and like i said earlier as well that last family that was going to adopt him they decided not to because of one of these violent outbursts he had been diagnosed with rad reactive attachment disorder and you know i wanted to talk about that a little bit more so it's a rare condition that occurs when infants and young children who are subject to extreme neglect or abuse fail to establish that expected bond with a parent they're diagnosed between the ages of nine months to five years, usually, and the child rarely seeks or responds to comfort when distressed. They show limited positive affect and have unexplained episodes of irritability, sadness, or fearfulness in contact with caregivers. Man, I like I said, I can really see how that would be difficult to kind of deal with as a parent adop- or a potential adoptive parent, though you would think somebody that was going into the situation with a child that had this disorder, that they would be somewhat prepared for dealing with it and trying to help them work through it. But it doesn't seem like the, the parents he was adopted by had any interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, I, it really uh, it really seems like that you would have, if a kid had that, you would, that only a specific type person would be able to take them in to try to right you know reverse whatever i mean can can you is it is it something that can be um fully treated i don't know that they can you know you're like you're cured but i think that they can definitely help you with the different therapies that they have and also put you on some sort of medication to help you not have these anger issues also, it causes depression and anxiety. So there's just like all these different things mixed in with it that, you know, probably would have been greatly helped with some psychological treatment in both therapy and medicine, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that these people were a little bit weird and, you know, they called themselves environmentalists or conservationists, but living the way they did, I have a feeling it doesn't ever say that they were again i never read anywhere they were specifically against medical treatment but it just seems like and i'm just making a complete assumption here so i could be just being an ass but it seems like they would have been against you know getting him the treatment he actually needs to be at least somewhat better you know and they they not be in fear of him and whatnot that ends up happening Mm -hmm. well i mean it seems like you can sum that up just by the fact that he had these violent outbursts and these behaviors and no one did anything. Right. And here, yeah, I mean, true. Like that, the proof is in the pudding here. So they, his parents, Kerr and McDonald, like I said, they stated that he had temper tantrums that were violent and his four siblings were afraid of him and that he was diagnosed with several mental illnesses and reactive attachment disorder. And they also claim that he was homicidal and suicidal at the time of his disappearance. Like we said, despite all that, he wasn't getting any psychological care or medication to help manage the behavior. So that in itself is just mind-boggling, in my opinion. I don't really understand 
how you would go into that situation knowing that this child had issues like this, knowing that that kind of thing could help him, and telling me that he was homicidal and suicidal, and somehow that was just like, we'll just deal with it by, you know... I mean, to me, that in itself is suspicious. I'm like, you're getting, yeah. you're getting money. You're not helping him get better. What in the hell mm-hmm. were you trying to do here? It it really doesn't. It doesn't make sense that, um, that there wasn't any form of help. Not not uh, not anything. No. I mean, even some form of like treatment would have been nice to see. But yeah, I mean, the second the second you're like, well, he was homo- homicidal and suicidal. It's like, okay. And yeah. you did what? Right. <laughs> you didn't do anything. Yeah. Until October 23rd, 2007, when Stephen Kerr called a crisis hotline and he said that Jalik was unmanageable and mentioned that he had threatened another child in his homeschool group. And then he said that his wife was afraid of Jalik, that he was a danger to the family, and that he no longer wanted him to stay in their home. He said he wanted to reverse the boy's adoption, which... I mean, I don't know a lot about adoption, but I'm pretty sure that's not something that can just be erased in a matter of a second. I don't think that you can just adopt a child, go through that whole process and be like, whoops a daisy I made a mistake. We'd like to return this one. <laughs> this isn't a freaking pair of shoes here. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Uh, so the crisis worker said it was not possible, that the adoption was binding, and she suggested that respite care should be tried first. It seems like the ones that need the more uh, focus, right? like direct focus and care, mm-hmm. would maybe go to them for a small period of time until maybe they're ready to integrate back t- into a normal foster care or in a- back to their adoptive home or whatever. Yeah. Right. That's what it seems like. Yes, I think you are correct. And so Jalik was then sent to the home of Elaine and Tom Person. They were a licensed foster licensed foster home <laughs> who had provided respite care for him in the past. So he already was familiar with them. And they did seem to care about him a lot because they'll come back into the story later. But they kept Jalik until November 1st. So it was about a little over a week, I believe. Yes, a little over a mm-hmm. week. And, and then they gave him back to Kerr. And Kerr planned to send him to another respite home on the following day. So if you hearken back to the beginning of this episode, you will remember that the last day that Jalik was seen was that day that the persons gave him back to Stephen Kerr, November 1st. And that was the night. On that night was the time when he went with his father to his grandfather's home. And his grandfather was out of town on vacation, so the home had been empty that night. And it was just Jalik and Stephen Kerr staying in that home. Now, his adoptive mother, McDonald, said that this was done to shield the other children from his violent outbursts, which might very possibly be the case. But so this was but this was directly after he left the other home. So yes. was he having outbursts? Good is question. To, is that good question? Why he left? I, you know, good question. I, yeah, it didn't. I guess we don't know. No, it didn't really say. <laughs> it's funny. It's not funny, but it is funny because the the respite care parents all seem to really just have loved him so much. And I almost wonder if he acted out more with his adoptive mother and father because he was a violent, angry man. You know, I'm almost just yeah. like how much of this was, I know he he had violent outbursts, but I'm like wondering if the people who actually cared for him and loved him, if he, you know, seemed to behave more over at their house than when he was with this 
jerk. Yeah, and that would make sense that him leaving the home would maybe cause him to have an outburst. Yeah, exactly. Especially when Steven's the one picking him up. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, Kerr said he woke up at 7.30 in the morning and Jalik was missing. He claimed that Jalik stuffed the bed with clothes and sheets and left a note behind it read, Dear everybody, I'm sorry for everything. I won't be a bother anymore. Goodbye, comma, Jalik. So there's some discrepancy about this note because his respite care family said that that note was actually a homeschool assignment that Stephen Kerr had given him to do, and they had watched him write it. But Stephen Kerr is now using that note as a like excuse for why Jalik is gone, saying that this is the note he wrote to say that he was running away. So and that's interesting. Obviously, you know, you have one side's word against the other, but in this story, I have to trust those respite care uh, foster parents a little bit more than Stephen Kerr. So supposedly he made him write it as like an apology. That sounds like something he would, uh, well, someone of uh, an abusive type, I guess. I, I don't want to say directly that Stephen is abusive, but yeah. it sounds like something that someone who would control a situation would make someone do yeah for a retribution for whatever yeah and so you know uh it's just another inconsistency that you'll hear more of in the story so he calls the police Stephen kerr at eight fifty-seven. so that's nearly 90 minutes later after waking up and finding jaleek missing and <laughs> that seems a little bit questionable i would think i mean i guess you, he could say that i was like he was out looking for him but I don't it think so. Sounds, I mean, the time in the time in in age we're in, it seems like the first call you make is to to the authorities. Yeah, I mean, at, yeah. at least before ninety minutes later, and yeah. all, and it's also they also found out later that before he called nine one one, he took a shower and dropped movies off at a movie rental place. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had a time limit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, those movies were definitely more important than figuring out what happened to 12-year-old Jalik, who has been on the run for a few hours, supposedly, and has nothing or no, you know, no transportation, no money, no, no food, nothing, you know, to help yeah, him through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'll give you a few minutes to you know look for him and search the the property and whatnot. That makes complete sense. Yeah. But taking a shower and then dropping off some movies, bizarre. I have some question. In yeah, that. that's like some Patrick Bateman behavior. Okay, so <laughs> the extensive search that they did shortly after this of the area turned no sign up of Jalik or clues to what happened to him or where he may be. Initially, Kerr claimed that a duffel bag and Jalik's favorite stuffed animal were missing, but they later found these in his garage. <laughs> There's another interesting little part of the story. Uh, so also, supposedly, he said Jalik left wearing this yellow jacket that was then later found in Jalik's old room in the house that they, because the family later moves out of the house, but they found that yellow, his grandmother found that yellow jacket in his room. What was his room before they moved out, before he went missing? So Stephen Kerr said he took a duffel bag, he took a stuffed animal, and he was wearing a yellow jacket, and all three of those things were found in that home, their home where they lived. So, yeah. I mean... You find you find the things that he would take. I just don't missing. Yeah. You say they're missing, and then you find them, and there's still no. 
nothing. There's still no question with this. <laughs> I, the police, you know, initially, like, I mean, the police were always very suspicious of Stephen Kerr, and he, mm-hmm. you know, has claimed that they were just out to get him from the get-go, and they've been completely honest about everything. But we'll find out as I continue on that there's even more bullshit that he has said that they find out isn't true at all. Mm. He's just a skis. I mean, listen here. I wouldn't have done this podcast to begin with if I didn't think something was bizarre about the story or like some <laughs> somebody needed to, you know, be held accountable. So, yeah, I'm going to just tell it like it is. He's a skis. I, and I keep feeling guilty about it. And then I'm like, you know what? If, if someone really gets mad at me about this, like, you can go suck an egg. Well, I mean, ultimately, he's not he's never proved uh, any of this stuff to make sense to us. So that's true. I mean, I, I, that's just what it seems like is that if there's still question on it, I obviously don't know the end of it yet. But yeah. um. <laughs> well, it's nothing real satisfying. So they also supposedly found a note that had just the word Albany on it, which is where Jalik's half brothers lived. And so the. The couple, Kerr and McDonald, are saying that perhaps he went off and ran to his half-brothers. I'm like, do they even know he exists, or how old are they? Um, Yeah. You know, like, Jalik had no money, no credit cards, a car. He had nothing. He had no contacts. He has issues making connections with other people, and somehow he just schmoozed his way over to Albany to visit it or to just go live with his half-brothers. I just highly, highly doubt that. No. Yeah, they say some of the most bizarre shit. I'll tell you that right now. Like, you're going to be literally dying at some of the stuff that they say. Well, I mean, put the put put aside the fact that he doesn't have the funds or the capability of just of getting there. He doesn't. You're like you said, he has issues with with people. Right. So it's not like it's it's not an easy task. It's not like he would make that decision lightly. Right. And I would think that if he knew his half brothers, um, we would have, you know, had more contact or more information about them by this point. Right. And also, yeah, it's not like if he had some sort of actual blood family who wanted to have him in their life, then it seems like maybe he would have been in their life and not been going from foster home to foster home. So I just definitely doesn't sound like he just somehow made his way over to Albany, but We'll continue. So a few days following his disappearance, police announced that they believe that Jalik met with foul play and categorized him as endangered missing, as it was unlikely that someone his age without money or without contacting family could survive on their own, which is pretty obvious. So, yep, yeah. They also kept the possibility that he ran away or committed suicide in the equation. So they didn't entirely rule them out. But like we said, he also had no history of running away whatsoever. And like he had no money, he had nothing, no connections, no blood family outside of his um, foster care system. Okay. I would run away if I, if I were to leak. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't blame him for running away, but I, uh, don't think that's what happened because it seems like we probably would have seen something from him in the past 12 years that he's been missing or something. Okay, although we know polygraph tests are BS in the first place, like no one's using a polygraph test to convict anybody. That said, McDonald, the mother, the adoptive mother, took one, but Kerr has refused to do that, do so, and he claimed it was because of a medical condition that would make his response unreliable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Sure. 
He also refused to submit a DNA sample, and I'm like, oh, what's the medical condition that doesn't allow you to do that, you idiot? So I find that to be fairly suspicious that he refused to provide a DNA sample and refused to do a polygraph test. It's just... Yeah, I mean, if you if you maintain your innocence, right? Right. Why, why refuse things? And if, if the medical thing is the problem, then fine still take it yeah don't be such a bitch like i don't yeah. yeah but you know i mean he just doesn't cooperate and that's the that's the other thing he literally hasn't spoken to the police but uh, yeah he literally completely stopped talking to the police shortly after the disappearance of jaleek and just refused to cooperate with them altogether so that's you know i understand you know protecting your rights and not letting the police just run you over and convict you on something you haven't done but i just don't think that's what you're doing here because you're going over the top it's very reminiscent of like the ramses where they're just like no and it's like wait a second your child has been possibly yeah. you know killed or kidnapped or whatever and you if you really cared i think you would cooperate to some degree <laughs> yeah you know yeah I mean, obviously, especially if there's a chance that the child's alive, you would think you would do pretty much anything you could. You would think. You would think. But, you know, a week prior to this, they were trying to get rid of him, you know? So, yeah. doesn't so. doesn't look too good on that situation. It's, like, pretty indicative of, wait a second, they didn't want him, and then they couldn't get rid of him, and then, you know, it's like, okay, I see what's going on here. Even Jalik's adoptive grandmother sees what's going on here her name is barbara really she is the grandmother of jaleek on the maternal side and she says that she was with the family the day after his disappearance and she noticed a number of odd behaviors she says she saw her daughter jocelyn mcdonald laugh at a friend who offered to search for jaleek that's weird yeah that's <laughs> not a normal reaction i it's like unless you know something or you're yeah like you're nervous or you're uh, was the friend joking I around mean, like what in the hell yeah i understand that everyone reacts differently to trauma and grief and 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 um shock but like i it just seems weird for your friend to be like hey i would i would love to help search for your son and you just laugh. Yeah. I can't even imagine the scenario in which that would even be the response that you would get ever. Even if you're just, like, mm -hmm. traumatized. Seems weird. Yeah. It it just doesn't make sense. It's not an... It's just... It would either be something's very much wrong with her, and I think you would notice way more than just this one thing. Yeah. Um. It, it just seems like that's that's an... It's an odd... It's an odd choice to make if you're f if you're faking your grief right i don't know it's it's definitely weird <laughs> it's all weird. around yes definitely yep and then barbara also saw stephen kerr rub his eyes roughly in an apparent effort to look like he'd been crying before he talked to the media i mean Ugh. that's i mean i just don't know why this lady would make that up <laughs> you know no. and it's her it's own daughter so it's not like like she clearly is like this something messed up happened here too this boy like you know like and so all of the rest of it is overridden by the fact that she knows something horrible happened to this young child i think yeah you know, obviously yeah i mean it that's she wouldn't there's no benefit for her to make just be making this up no none at all no 
Uh, she also says that they didn't walk down the streets at all to just kind of search for him, calling his name, or they didn't go door to door to ask anybody if they had seen him. And she felt like those were things that she would have obviously done if it were her child and that she actually did herself at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So she really did seem to have bonded with Jalik. She said, I can still feel his arms around me and his head on my shoulder. He really needed validation that he was loved. That is the saddest thing I've ever read in my life. I mean, clearly, he just needed love. And she, Yeah, and she seems like she, she really did care very much for him and, and understood exactly what he needed yeah. to to succeed in life which isn't it isn't like a ton you know he just i think he just needed stability and love but yeah and also obviously he had a little he had some behavioral issues but you know she didn't seem to be focusing on that she said that he was a vivacious boy that he loved to go apple picking eat ice cream and pizza he liked to stay over at her house which she called which he called granny camp and that he play, <laughs> it's, I mean, he is also adorable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay, so he played music and also played with tarot cards and on the computer. So I'm like, oh, man, you know that Stephen Kerr did not like this granny camp at all. Nope, no. No. When I read tarot cards, I was like, oh, jeez. You know he was like, yep. you know, <laughs> you know. And she let him do things that obviously he couldn't do at their house steven's house yeah yeah so that also just goes to kind of lend itself that perhaps steven is the one i perhaps i mean uh, we know he did but steven is really probably the one that created this whole family lockdown situation because it doesn't seem like jocelyn mcdonald came from that type of situation and of course she could have you know also made the decision to be in that type of situation but i i think it just seems like he's abusive all around and like she's probably also a victim of his abuse too so yeah it's hard for me to understand some of her motivations here in this story but at the same time when i think about it that way it's like oh yeah you know i can understand yeah i mean that's that's kind of she you're right she didn't come from an environment it's clear that was like that yeah um and i'm assuming that if steven if he was like that when they met or when they first got together uh it seems like that was um i'm not sure what her her choice why her choice would have been him if she was from a home that was different yeah um but but it could have also been uh um charmed her in and Mm -hmm. then later on things change yeah and um you know that's it's an unfortunate like you said it's an unfortunate situation because she's also a victim here so yeah though i mean if she knows something then she should also be held responsible for not you know not sharing that for sure it's just hard because i'm like gosh i i just kind of had the revelation that i'm like oh she kind of has a victim here too probably but the grandmother again one last thing that she was had said about uh jaleek she said he was going to grow up to be a strong individual with a yearning to have a family and a stable base that he had hopes and dreams for his future which he wasn't able to ever have because perhaps that Stephen did something to him so really believes that her son-in-law knows more than he's sharing and possibly murdered Jalik. she says his anger issues and behavior over the years had led her to believe that he is capable of harming a child she said and i quote Stephen has anger issues. I think it was three years ago, Jalik was doing some repetitive behavior, and Stephen grabbed him by the neck and dragged him out the back door and dunked him in the creek, and if my daughter had not been there, I don't know what else he would have done to him. Whoa, dude. In my head, I had remembered this situation as being, he was being violent, uh, Jalik, 
But she just says he was doing some repetitive behavior, so it's not even remotely the same thing. So that's even more sad. I'm not to say that it's his fault if he was being violent because it's really not either. But there's the fact that Stephen got so mad at him doing something repetitive that probably just annoyed him and dragged him out by the neck and dunked him in the creek. Like, he clearly didn't think about him like he was his son. Or, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can beat your son, too. But, God, it just doesn't seem like he... I mean, I don't don't think that any any form of... uh... Um, discipline includes dunking someone in a creek. I mean, I mean that is just or st- torture. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing. Again, here, if you were, um, if you're a frustrated individual because of the person that you have agreed to take in, then you know wh- you knew that coming into it. So yeah. you have to learn to be patient because you're dealing with somebody who. Uh, beyond their control has been put in a situation multiple times that has left them to behave in the way they do. I mean, that is just despicable behavior. I mean, I'm, it is shocking to me that you can adopt a child that has special needs with that kind of person being the person that adopts them. Like, I, I mean, I just can't even wrap my brain around. Yeah. I agree. How that could be possible. That you, I mean, what a piece of, that, okay, that alone, he's a fucking piece of garbage, you know, like, that's it, like, that's it. So, yeah, like, we don't really need to get any further in the story for me to be like, he's a fucking piece of trash, everybody. Yeah. You know, let's. That's a certification piece of trash right there. Yeah, gross. So, apparently, after that. His wife made him write a letter of apology to Jalik and made him do the child's chores for a month after he dragged him outside and dunked him in the creek, which I'm sure only just pissed him off more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pissed him off more because, yeah, it's just like, that's just like, it's like poking the bear. Yeah. Really. Ugh. I mean, especially the writing of a letter. Oh, yeah. I mean, because uh, I, I wonder if that letter that he had Jalik write, if he if he did that before or after she made him write him a letter, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah I'm interested in knowing that. Yeah, it would, it would be nice to know. So Barbara really also says that in the year prior to Jalik's disappearance that McDonald asked Kerr, Stephen Kerr, to move out of the house two times because of his anger issues and they were posing a threat to the children. So not just Jalik, but every everybody uh yeah two times in the year leading up to jaleek's disappearance also he was in anger management classes but it obviously wasn't making any difference or wasn't doing too much good if while being in those classes he had to be asked to leave the house twice because he was scary angry and i got some pictures of him and i'm not trying to (laughs) not trying to judge a book by its cover but i guess knowing what a piece of shit he is and then seeing him i'm like this man looks exactly how I would expect him to. <laughs> I'm, I'm like this fucking dickhead. Okay. Uh, I mean, I know. And here, I, every time I record and I start talking shit, I always am like, well, I know there's like 15 fucking dudes out there that listen to this podcast, perhaps that look exactly like him. But what am I going to say? My brother, actually. <laughs> hey, okay, but that's the thing. Some guys look like that. Or look like certain uh-huh. ways. And you're like. Or some people will look yeah. certain ways, and they're a whole different that's person. Definitely and it's true. like, okay, yes. <laughs> that's cool. I'm not talking about yeah. you. I'm talking about this douchebag. Yeah. I'm talking about this kid dunking in the river dickhead. Yeah. So due to the suspicions that Barbara really has of Stephen 
her. She and her daughter have obviously grown apart. And at the time when I'm when I was reading all this stuff, I was like, why is that lady still staying with this dude and covering up for him and all this stuff? But then I, like I just said, I had the revelation. Oh, she's being abused too. Yeah. But I feel like people like that, they're gonna just pick on anybody yeah. that they can. Yeah, I mean, she's she's part of that that whole situation in that house too. So it it would make sense that that's why she sticks with him uh, more than right. just being someone who, you know, doesn't care herself. It doesn't seem like she's someone who's fully not sensitive to the situation. Right. Uh, you know, she, I guess she did even, she stopped him from probably killing him once before, at least, mm-hmm. that we know about. Yeah. Yeah. So in the summer of 2008, Barbara really went into the family's home to search for any evidence of what happened to her grandson. This was because the family had moved to Vermont four months after Jalik went missing. They, the family completely vacated the entire house in New York and moved to Vermont. That's convenient. Yeah. Okay. I get that perhaps you just need to start a start new or whatever, but you're not even really worried about the kid to begin with. So I don't really think it's that you're so distressed that you can't bear to live there. And if you really, it, it seems like from a lot of the cases I've read, if a parent's child goes missing, a lot of the time they have a really hard time leaving that place because they are always thinking, well, if they ever come back, they'll come back to the place that they remember, which is this house. Exactly. So I find that very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So she went to that vacant house. That's when she found that yellow jacket that Jalik supposedly was wearing when he ran away. And the house was vacated, like I said. They had left a few big pieces of furniture behind, but... That was it. And that jacket and a, and a couple other things that, you know, of Jalik's and stuff because they didn't really care about him. And or at least Steven didn't care about him. And uh, they actually ended up charging her. I don't really know how they found out, but they ended up charging her for burglary <laughs> for entering the house to begin with. So, well, that doesn't make you sound guilty at all. <laughs> no, that's definitely not suspicious. That sounds like uh, a diversion. Yeah. Uh, She later went to court to petition for custody of her missing grandson, which just that in itself, I'm like, clearly she's like one of the only people that even loves this child. You know, like she, Jalik's missing and been missing for over a year and she's petitioning for custody of him. And his own parents are ripping down missing flyers of his around town. (laughs) Oh, it is so disturbing. So the couple contends that Jalik ran away and I quote, is living somewhere with other African Americans or in a gang because Jalik, like, are you fucking with me right now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just cannot even believe some of this shit. Okay. So anyway, because Jalik always considered himself to be African American rather than biracial and had wanted to live with other African Americans. Okay. Uh, And Kerr even once made the following serious what the fuck statement he said every time we went through a predominantly african-american neighborhood he was like a kid in a candy shop can we stop there and go shopping i'm 100 percent sure he's in an urban setting with an african-american community I, like he's the most i feel like there's like some serious underlying racism there yeah as well yeah like you can you, you can you can talk about a biracial person's you know, black heritage all you want. But, like, the way he's talking about it is so fucking weird. The way he says that he ran away to an African-American community or he's in a gang. Yeah. Like, what yeah, are you like talking that's, about? Yeah, like, that's the only two options. 
that's it that's that's it and also the 12 year old boy who had trouble making a connection with his own possible adopted parents was somehow able to get into a a gang somehow and like the gang the gang is taking care of him better than they could apparently yeah okay i mean what a stupid i am just so I don't know. I feel like this is so strange that like he's so focused on this. But I guess he's just he's a he's a freaking idiot and he's trying to make excuses for why this child is not there anymore. So I guess it's not it's not going to make any sense or Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's trying to uh just create um a connection that that they yeah. can go down and look down that will just of course be like, well this doesn't make any sense or you know it'll just lead us <laughs> yeah. down this whole rabbit hole yeah i mean what an idiot a gang he, he ran off and joined a, a gang. gang that's it that's all you got <laughs> that's how it goes that's yeah. how it goes man don't you know police quickly debunked that claim and declared jaleek's stepfather a person of interest in his son's disappearance that's what i'm saying as they should <laughs> yeah i hate his guts okay uh i can't wait for you all to look at his picture too and just Everybody should just go punch him somewhere. Just kidding. I guess that's a inciting a threat type of situation, but he's grotesque. Yeah, <clears throat> you should at least go look at him intensely with a bad, <laughs> uh, a bad stern, yes, um, you know, look on your face. <laughs> Side eye the fuck and out. Just of tell him. him he was a bad dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, from across the road. Just get a big group. Of yeah, you. throw some shade. <laughs> Do what you gotta do. He deserves all of it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So they extensively searched their home and the paternal grandfather's home because they suspected that Jalik might have been buried there. This is like super rural, the house where they had stayed that night. And apparently there's a bunch of wooded area around. So who the heck knows if he's buried there? I mean, surely they would have found some sign of that. I have a feeling he's probably not on their property, but... We'll continue. That would make sense. You would think. I mean, he he might be an idiot, but I don't know if he's that stupid. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. I mean, if you're going to do what we're going to allegedly may have happened. Yeah. Here. Um, it seems like you would have you would have at least been smart about that idea. Right. And I mean, yeah. so far, it seems like if it did happen, he got away with it. Yeah. Police, forest rangers and the FBI have all combed the woods and waterways around the Washington County towns of Cambridge and Greenwich and even the campgrounds where the family supposedly had vacationed multiple times. Police later found, like I said, that yellow fleece jacket in the garage as well as the stuffed animal and the duffel bag and like i I know i've repeated it seven times but just remember that he said he took these things and then they're found at his house that just does not add up which now concludes that he had absolutely nothing with him when he quote unquote ran away right yeah so it was you know it was fall it was well it was actually i don't know i mean it wasn't quite winter yet but you could still i bet you it's pretty cold what no november yeah in new york yeah that's pretty i mean it's not cold but at night it is yeah it's cool okay i mean virginia is not where i'm not that far from new york we're about six hours so yeah. i mean november here you can't i mean you get warm days but the nights are still cold right he definitely needed a jacket a jacket for sure uh let alone yeah. the fact that he had nothing else and you know you can get hypothermia well above freezing you know temperatures so mm-hmm. he I, i'm sure they would have found him somewhere if he had just run away you know he's not a, well he doesn't fly yeah and if he's in a wooded area Area, that's that's even cooler because of the well i guess the trees are the leaves are 
Well, they still have some leaves on them. But yeah, so it's it's not something that people would survive easily. Yeah. Let alone a little Especially kid. Especially a young kid. Yeah, yeah. and he was um, he was 12 years old. He weighed 105 pounds. So he would have yeah. he would have been freezing his little buns off if he was just outside. Police also later found that Kerr had lied to them in a number of his statements, but they still didn't have enough to actually charge him with a crime. So Ugh. how it's one of those situations where it's just the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. He claims that he slept straight through the night when Jalik went missing, but the police found surveillance footage of his van being driven that night. It was around a bank, and I mean, obviously, it was just dry. I don't know what he was doing. If he was, get, I don't, I don't. They didn't really say if he was getting money out of the bank, but he definitely drove by the bank. It was his yeah. specific gold van, and yeah. because of this on being on the surveillance, they wanted to search the van again. Because they had like kind of done a cursory search of it, I guess initially, but they but he denied their second request to search their van. Of course he did. <laughs> of course, it was about twelve sixteen a.m. Whenever the van was seen on that surveillance footage, which was in Glen Falls. No, it was in Greenwich. It was at Glen Falls National Bank. So twelve sixteen a.m. is somewhat late. I know for me, because I'm a grandma, it is the guy said he was asleep all night long, and he was definitely asleep by twelve sixteen. So what was he doing driving around? <laughs> If that was his van. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, unless he was sleep driving. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Still, still not good. <laughs> but yeah, you would think that if he went to this uh, abandoned house, well, not abandoned, but his uh, his his father's house. Unoccupied. Uh-huh. Yeah, unoccupied. Thank you. That's the word. Um, unoccupied <laughs> house because of an, a behavioral issue, you know, with his son. It's, it's not like, yeah, you're not going to be up at midnight. After mm-hmm. an exhausting couple hours with dealing with the situation. Right. Yeah. And why would you tell the police that you were asleep through the night anyway if yeah. that wasn't the case? So that's weird because at least you would say, well, we had to drive around to calm him down. Not exactly. like Julie was a baby. But, you yeah. know, I just – he's suspicious all around. So the, the Greenwich Police Chief George Bell said, if it's Stephen and his van, it certainly doesn't indicate that, you know, he says he was in bed. <laughs> I'm like, but so, okay, kind of a, a silly quote a little bit. But this police chief, Bell, George Bell, really did, like, dedicate his entire rest of his life trying to figure out what happened here. Yeah, or he thinks he knows what happened here. They analyzed Kerr's cell phone data that night and found his cell phone pinged multiple times in areas far away from his father's home, where, again, he claimed he was the whole night and never left. Yeah, sleeping. Uh, sleeping the whole night. Yeah, sleeping the whole night. So his phone just magically escaped in his car. Jalik, I guess he's going to say, Jalik took my car yeah. out and ran around around town. And then came back phone. and then ran away. Mm-hmm. Without the car. Oh, and I never woke up. Oh, good. So, God. Okay, so Kerr said he received a call around 8.15 that night when he was on Route 40, and it says he was in front of a place called Henry's Garage in Melrose at the time. But this was later found to be a lie as the call came in when he was in South Troy, New York. So he's driving around. His phone is pinging off towers. And anyway, at 8.15 that night, yes, he says he got a call. He says it was in one place. It was later found that he was in a completely different place. And the person who called him said that he seemed extremely agitated on the phone. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Which, you know, again, giving him the benefit of a doubt would make sense if there was the, you know, the issue with uh, an outburst. But 
also why would you just not you just wouldn't answer the phone yeah and why also would you lie about it again why would you also lie about the place where you got the call to begin with yeah exactly i just don't understand why would you lie at all (laughs) if you had if you didn't do anything why would you lie at all you know there's no reason to lie no oh okay so Kerr has been caught by multiple people tearing down missing persons posters for his son, which he initially denied doing, and then he later admitted that he only had asked shop owners to remove them, but his ass was full on ripping them down, witnessed on numerous occasions by numerous people. So what in the hell would you be ripping down missing fly- missing persons flyers for your missing 12-year-old son who ran away? Yeah, it... it- Unless you're putting up new ones, it makes no sense at all. That's just abhorrent. Yeah. I don't think you would ever do that. No. I don't. I just don't think. I know, like you said, I know everybody deals with things differently. I'm pretty sure if your kid runs away, even if you think he's, you know, a, a terror, I would still think you would be worried about his safety. And maybe if anybody ever saw any little thing that could help you figure out where he was, you would want to do it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's very rare that you ever, unless there's some form of evidence to sway you, which he hasn't been given yet. No. There mean, there's no reason for you to stop looking or to stop asking ever. Ugh, I mean, I just, every single thing he does makes him look terrible. You know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like every single thing. You're right. Everything <sighs> that makes him look like um, a good, you know, concerned father he chooses the opposite to do. Right. Uh, here's another one. He also refused to attend a vigil for Jalik, saying that he didn't like the people that put it on, put on the vigil because they slandered him. Which I mean, okay, I get, I kind of understand, but at the same time, it's just like, uh, you, you know. Uh, well, then have your own. Have your own. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, he says he and then it. If that was the case, you have your own, and then there's no feel for anyone's fire. I th- <laughs> I think that they did. I think he did have one, but I think, mm. like, initially, and then that was, like, it was the one and only one they ever did. And then this one was put on, I guess, by, I mean, it probably was put on by his mother-in-law, who did slander him, I guess. you. I guess you can agree to that, yeah. but at the same time, I don't know. That, okay, I'll give him that one. I guess I'll give him that one. I'll let him have it. I That one, that one... Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give him... I'll give him a point for that one, okay? One thing. I'll concede. <laughs> yeah. I'll he claims it. that he's cooperated with the police from the get-go and that they've wanted to string him up the whole time, which it's like, yeah, they did because you clearly have something to do with it, and you lied, and you lied all over yeah. the place. I mean, that's the point here, is that you've lied about everything. So, lead detective Bell says that Kerr's behavior was strange all along, and that he never once called them to check on the investigation or get updates on his son's disappearance. Which, there we go, again, is very strange. How many missing persons cases do you hear where the parents are just calling the police to the point where they have to be like, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't be asking for updates as much as possible. You would think you would. Bell said, in 30 years, a kid of 12 years old, and I don't care what his mindset is, he doesn't fall off the face of the world. We just don't have a runaway kid here. So that's the lead detective in the case. He's saying that there's no way Jalik ran away. That's it. 
They would have figured it out. Figured, they would have found something by that point. Yeah, exactly. Four months after Jalik disappeared, the family moved, and then that is when Stephen Crow never once spoke with the police ever again. Never cooperated, never <laughs> did anything with them ever again. Sure sounds like you care about finding Jalik when you do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you close that chapter and you're ready for the next one. Yeah. Because here's his former foster mother, Jody Schoen, the one that was going to adopt him but didn't because of his violent outburst against the daughter they already had. You know, she loves him. He, she's talking about the things that he liked to do. And then she says, he was our son, and you don't stop loving someone just because he can't live with you. But it sure seems like Stephen Kerr was like, the moment that Jalik's not around, he forgets who the hell he was. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to keep coming back to him because he's such an asshole. Jalik's former respite care foster mother, Elaine Person, and his grandmother, Barbara Reilly, they started a task force to find out what happened to him. And if it wasn't for them, I honestly don't even know if this story would be really publicized too much. Yeah. Because they really have kept the attention on Jalik's missing status. And also, you know, both of them are not real shy about talking about what they think probably happened to him. Mm -hmm. They brought in Texas EquiSearch, who conducted underwater searches with sonar. They brought in a drone with a high-resolution camera, and they searched the area to no avail. Even Elaine even temporarily quit her job to dedicate her full time to searching for what happened to Jalik. Wow. Yeah, I mean, these people... I see, I just don't understand why... The people who finalized an adoption with him were like the one people that seemed to not be able to see anything good in him. You know, like, yeah, what is that? That seems so strange. You have you have these two people who see, you know, all the good in him and and just do everything they can, including quit their quit a job and, and dedicate their entire lives to just finding out what happened, whether it's, you know, a, a body to to resolve mm-hmm. it or him alive, which would be obviously the hopeful case. But right. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's it's just sad. I'm, I'm very glad that there were actually like a, at least a few people who actually did care that, enough to do all this stuff. But it is really sad that his own parents are just like, See ya. Didn't didn't ever think about you again after that. It really is a contrast, uh, a very very stark contrast when you hear about the foster mother uh, or the former foster mother and the um the grandmother. Yeah, because it's, it's like, yeah, it's like the people that should be doing this are kicking it in Vermont right now. Yeah, big time, <laughs> living it up, just without Jalee. Yep, just hanging out. Uh, so Elaine Person, she started a fundraiser, held vigils, created a website for him, and she's been rallying for change in the foster care system saying that the lack of oversight in the system is what led to Jalik's disappearance because he should never have been allowed to stay with a family who had no running water or electricity. And that's true, for sure. Very much agreed with that. Yes. She says that Jalik told her that he was often locked in his bedroom and he would be punished for bad behavior by being dunked in the creek. So Kerr blamed Jalik for his behavioral issues, which had he not been a reactive piece of shit, he should have had patience with the child and known he was not to blame for his behavior as he had suffered, like we said, either both physical trauma and emotional trauma as a young child that led to him having these, you know, repetitive behaviors, these violent outbursts, things that, as we already discussed a million times, but I'm just going to keep repeating it, you as a, a foster parent or as an adoptive parent, 
going into the situation with a child that has these issues, you should have been at least somewhat prepared for this instead of just being a violent, angry person who seems to not know how to handle anybody at all, remotely close to having the kind of issues that Jalik had. I just do not, yeah, yeah I just do not get this at all. I mean, yeah, it's like, not at all. No, it's like another child adopted Jalik, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. And one who gets all the power where he can have a cell phone and a computer, but you don't get anything. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, it's just so sad to think that he had, he had so much trauma in his life and then he was adopted by somebody that locked him in his room for, you know, days on end because he probably annoyed him. So, ugh. I hate this guy so much, I can't even tell you. This might be my second most hated man uh, under David Berg from The Children of God, I think. Like, I I think I hate him almost as much. Yeah, yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that you just, you just up and stop talking to the cops, it's like... I mean, there's so many things you can point to, but that to me is the sticking thing where it's like, okay, well, you obviously don't care and you're the last person that saw him. Yeah. So I don't know what else to think of you than you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And yeah, that is exactly what you are. Yeah. So Elaine Person, she says that Stephen Kerr and Jocelyn McDonald continued to receive that $1,700 a month stipend even after he went missing. And I don't know for how long, (laughs) but- Wow, isn't that convenient for them? That's that's helpful for their, uh, you know, house that doesn't have running water or electricity. That's the other thing that I was thinking. And now one less mouth to feed. Well, I guess perhaps that freaking stipend was like supporting their entire family for all we know. Because yeah. I'm like, what did he do? I don't even know. Yeah. Ugh. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, that's plenty of money yeah. for you to turn the electricity on. I And, like, I highly doubt they were having some huge, lavish meals, you know? I bet, oh, okay. So, yeah, who, like, that loser. I mean, who freaking knows? Because the house, I, I find some, I, I find, I found some pictures, and the house was pretty dilapidated, as you might imagine, considering the circumstances. I mean, I can't even imagine living in a house that doesn't have a sink that can give me water when I need it. That alone. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, No, I agree. I I couldn't imagine living in a house without water. I mean, that's like, to me, the the best invention was indoor plumbing. uh, Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Uh, I mean, having to run outside to take a poop in the middle of the night or whatever would not be fun. And let alone, like, I need to wash my hands. I mean, what did they do for... A shower. Yeah. Seriously, what did they do? Just buckets of water that they got out of the creek or what? I mean. Well, I can't imagine that this area of New York and this uh, in what, 2000, in the early 2000s was Mm -hmm. so expensive that a siphon of $1,500 a month that you're getting for a kid that you don't necessarily, you're not supposed to use the money towards, but that you can't set something up better for your entire family. That's not that much like, that's I mean, a you could, decent amount of money for yeah. you to be able to at least cover the basic bills. You would think. But, yeah, what's he doing with his money? I mean, good grief. I, I don't even know. Yeah. It, uh, he's just a garbage. So, he's a, he's a garbage. So, um, in early January 2008, a letter was sent to media and the family claiming that Jalik was still alive and probably being held by someone. And the letter is weird as hell. Okay. Let's – I'm going to read it. I don't – really know what the heck's going on but uh, okay so it says jalik still alive 
needed a foot soldier for this war on drugs, picked him up, right? 40 post 30. I don't RT 40 post probably route 40 route 40 post 30. He's okay. No fake. He says, ask his mama and papa who are the macaroni family. My cat named diamond question mark. Why does Franti yell fire question mark? Don't try to look. We are not there. That's the letter. (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> After the the he's okay, it's it kind of goes off the rails there. Yeah. Uh who are the macaroni family? So <laughs> Franti is like some musician that had a song where he was talking about fire or something. But other than that, oh, and actually their cat was named Diamond. He did have a cat named Diamond. Okay. So who knows what the hell it means, but I'll tell you <laughs> that the police suspected that Stephen Kerr wrote the letter to throw them off of his trail. And they seized his computer afterwards, but they were unable to determine if the letter was written on it. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. It, was really. It definitely seems like it could be something to just throw people off. I mean, it has just enough in it where it's like, well, does that does that confirm that he may be alive? Because yeah. how would you know that he had a cat named Diamond? But then it's right. like, well, how many people knew he had a cat named Diamond? Yeah. I just feel like he absolutely did write it. I feel like his – it's not even funny, but I'm laughing. But I feel like his his desperate attempts to make the police think certain things are just so blatantly pathetic and stupid. You know, it's like that fits right along with him saying he joined a gang or an African-American community, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's just, it's like the things that he does tell the cops. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Just don't say anything. So Cora Barber, really the grandmother, she says that if she could choose between somebody being in prison for murdering Jalik or finding his remains, she would much rather choose to put him to rest. And so she's just still to this day, just hoping with all hope that they find Jalik's body because she just doesn't want him to be laying out there somewhere um, without being able to properly bury him. Yeah, which is definitely sad. Oh, very much so. And and, and it's I I agree. I it would. It would be much better just to know what happened to him. I mean, it is outrageous that somebody can... It's just like every other freaking case that we cover where this person is just vulnerable, you know? And because they're vulnerable for whatever reason, there's somebody in their life that takes advantage of them and they end up gone forever because some asshole takes advantage of them and because they don't have the connections or whatever they end up being able to just get away with it it kills me it really kills me like i said at least he had a few people in his life that loved him while he was here uh that's the only thing i can take away from that yeah you know still kind of more than sucks that he's out there somewhere that we have no idea well and it would make sense that if he was out there alive and able to speak or, or let people know what's going on he would after knowing that there are people out there that that are, you know, yeah. forever heartbroken over this. Yeah, I mean, and it seemed like he was definitely close to this grandmother and he would, you you know, you would think at some point he would reach out at some point or someone would have yeah. seen him or something. 
And yeah. 2016, there was a skull fragment found in the Coxsackie Swamp, I think, maybe, near the Hudson River. They And they initially thought it was a, a, a child's skull that was around the same age as Jalik, but it was later confirmed to not be his skull, and it was actually an adult male. So mm. that kind of brought everybody a little hope for a second, but it turned out to not be him. And, you know, that's the other aspect of the situation is that they can't – determine cause of death or things like that and maybe if they had a body they would be able to more easily try to pin this on Stephen Kerr or get him convicted of committing some crime but without a body it's it I, they can do it but it's hard to convict somebody without a body yeah I mean it's definitely that's the the biggest piece of evidence you could have is the body right and without it it's it really does make things a lot harder so it it makes sense why they can't their hands are basically tied on this case yeah and like you know it, as we've seen before you don't want to charge somebody with something and then they're going and then because of the lack of evidence they get off and you can't charge them again so mm-hmm. they want to make sure yeah, exactly. you know that they've got everything but man uh, it's just, it's, it's like, it, it's just, it, I don't know. Is it ever going to happen is really the question. Yeah. In 2017, the lead detective on the case, Chief Bell, he said that he has not give, he had not given up on the case, that he believed the adoptive father is still the main person of interest and that somebody has more information and needs to come forward, which I think we can all agree that somebody does have more information. Mm-hmm. At the time, he said that he kept the file close and was still searching for possible leads he said it could be the missing piece or pieces that could bring everything together so that they could find him and expressed his desire for a grand jury to look at the details surrounding Jalik's disappearance. But that has yet to take place. Sadly, Detective Bell died last year in 2018, which was a pretty huge blow to Jalik's grandmother, Barbara, really. Yeah. Obviously, I'm wondering, you know, if anyone has even taken the case on now since he died. I I did not find the next detective's name. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's now like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm sure for her, I mean, you get close with somebody who's kind of, um, you know, they're resolute in finding out what happened. And then, uh, you know, oh, it yeah. just shows you it, it really shows you how much time has passed since since he's gone missing. And now it's. Yeah, it's. I'm sure that for yeah. Barbara, that is a, a little bit of a, a setback for her. Right. Like, she said that he was always willing to talk to her over the phone or was fine if she dropped by the station when he was there, even though it had been over 10 years since Jalik disappeared, which I think that's awesome, considering that I've heard a million times, you know, police that just have no contact with families after a certain amount of time. Yeah. So he obviously cared. Yeah. Obviously a good detective. Yes, which, you know, I'm always appreciative to find. So he he's led dozens of searches. He always considered every lead, and he even talked to psychics, which I don't know that I believe in, but, you know, I know that there are some... I know there are some cases where police have, you know, talked to psychics and something came of it, whether it's a coincidence or not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it could just be, um, you know somebody who is quote-unquote clairvoyant if you know whether alleged they are allegedly are or not i don't know but um that's kind of whatever you believe but they're open-minded and sometimes an open mind thinks creatively where um you know an atypical mind which in police work is normally the way you go you don't always think of those creative possibilities so i i think it's more of if they happen to be right it's like huh 
that's a damn good guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of it's just because they do think they they just work their brain differently. Yeah. And in some cases, that just happens to work for it. And that's so true. And honestly, I don't know. I'm not trying to backpedal, but I will say that a lot of the times about paranormal stuff, I'm almost like the mind is such a powerful thing. But maybe if you're able to kind of like harness some sort of heightened level of thinking, maybe you are able to kind of do things that are unexplainable to us at this point. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, again, I don't think that necessarily you can just think of it as a skeptic in a skeptical way it's like okay well things have happened but does that necessarily constitute meaning that everyone who has something happen to them is is real true and and just because it happened to you that maybe not necessarily means that it's real for you too it's just it's such a questionable (laughs) thing i've always approached it with if the person what they're telling me makes sense okay, mm-hmm. I can't explain it. I'm a little skeptic of it, but I'm not going to dismiss yeah. it. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably what this what this uh, gentleman was doing as well. I'm sorry, was it Bell? Was that his name? Yeah, Bell. Yeah, uh, Bell. Bell. Yeah, I think it sounded like it was kind of the way he thought is, okay, well, I'll entertain it because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fresh idea. Um, right. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's just good police work. Right. Good. I agree. Um, a good, I was like, good. I meant, I was agreeing with you about it being good police work, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, oh uh, yeah. Poor Barbara. Uh, she was just saying that he always made her feel better and he kept her from falling apart. Oh, poor Barbara. Yeah. And Bell's widow said that Jalik's case was constantly on his mind, and every time a body was found, he wondered if he had finally been found. Yeah. So, again, to emphasize that, you know, I, I saw in some places people were kind of talking shit about the police department, and I was like, that's I see, it really does seem like this man tried yeah. really hard. I do, I do understand also where they're coming from, where it's like, how can this man have gotten away with it? Like, it seems insane to me. But at the same time, like, I think he did try really hard. He wasn't trying to make somebody out to be guilty that wasn't i think he really wanted to make sure that he had all the evidence he needed against him but he never was able to get that while he was alive and i mean that's that's the thing it's like okay well you know police work in 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 the legal system to an extent can only do but so much it's if the information and the evidence just isn't there, it's set up so that innocent people don't end up in right in situations where they're paying sometimes in their in their entire life for a crime they didn't commit. Exactly, and it's unfortunate because people who happen to be guilty of a crime can sometimes get away with it mm-hmm. because we have the system set up that way. Exactly, and that's where the only thing you can do is be frustrated with you know that fucking person yeah well daniel just needs to hit him with this truck (laughs) yeah 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 definitely get daniel with the truck he'll take care of it uh yeah like i I have a trip i'm just kidding i'm not gonna so i'm like i'm gonna come down there and get him (laughs) or come up there okay okay so excuse me so you know when it comes down to theories in this case I really don't have more than one being that Stephen Kerr, who had a well-known history of anger problems, having been in anger management and still having to have his wife ask him to leave the house for the safety of his children, his mother-in-law witnessing extremely aggressive and abusive behavior towards Jalik at least, and controlling, being controlling in extreme ways, 
like the no plumbing, no electricity, no outside influences or experiences to reference. Uh, yet, of course, it doesn't apply to him. So, yes, Jalik did have reactive attachment disorder. He had a terrible childhood and was passed from foster home to foster home. And, you know, due to his issues with connecting with parents because of his violent outbursts, he had all these issues and Stephen Kerr and Jocelyn McDonald did not do anything to try and help him with therapy or medication. And instead they just really wanted to get rid of him. This was evidenced by their call where Kerr said that they wanted to cancel their adoption or whatever the hell he said. And were clearly both of them kind of at their wits end with Jalik after this few months of him living with them. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, it's like, oh, uh, we'll call and see if we can give him back. Oh, you you can't do that? Okay, well. Shit. Let's send him to this house. Okay, they sent him back in a week. Yeah. Now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I will never understand why they didn't try to help him out with, you know, therapy. I'm sure, as any parent of a child that has some behavioral issues, I'm sure does, look up ways figure find resources to help you understand what he needs as a parent like what can you do to make him not have these you know outbursts and not threaten what can you do to help this become less well i mean ultimately like you're saying there's you you've done nothing to help him try to resolve any of these issues you feel like you feel like Steven almost in in um jo- Jocelyn, Jocelyn that, mm-hmm. that they both just thought it would just go away like that that his problems would just stop one it's day mind-boggling. it's like it's not that's not the way he that that's not what he has yeah. so it does seem odd that again you need not even not even a form of medication which is the quickest and easiest way for people to start trying to figure out what is going on with a person right. yeah i mean therapy is in my opinion a little better but most people go right. straight to the medication like let's let's see if these balances yeah. are off obviously he responded well to his grandmother being loving you know and seeming to take more care in handling different moods that he may have had while he was at her house like he seemed to respond really well to her treatment of him and whereas like steven like we kind of talked about steven is is treating problems of Jalik feeling or being reactive with him being reactive. You know, it's like you're matching reactive behavior with more reactive behavior. And I'm shocked that didn't do anything to help. Like, real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really hate that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a piece of shit. I mean, that's all there is to it. Again, you can sum it up just by, I mean, this entire thing is that it seems like he's the one that has the most to um the most to to give here and he's not giving mm-hmm. it and i don't think we're ever gonna yeah know. i mean like the fact that steven took him to his father's unoccupied home for an evening when he was set to go up or set up to go to yet another respite foster home and then he magically vanished in the middle of the night and somehow he didn't wake up to 
to hear anything. Yeah. Yet, like, his car was driving around, and then he didn't call the police for a while after he, you know, showered and dropped off videotapes. There's all these facts that just don't add up or don't really... It's like, how how fucking convenient is all this shit? You know, like, how yeah. convenient that... Yeah. All of this stuff happened. And then you were found out to be just lying to the police like crazy. Yeah. It just doesn't look good for him. No. There's all this at all. all this stuff. There's all the stuff he claimed he took with him that they found at his house. Somehow, this young boy with the most tragic upbringing imaginable was placed into an extremely abusive household where he was not only abused but denied therapy for his past trauma and the side effects of it. And this utter piece of garbage of an adoptive father was able to essentially get rid of him without consequence. It is one of the most horrifying tragedy, tragedy? I can't say the word. The most horrifyingly <laughs> tragic situations I could ever imagine. To me, there was a running theme of paranoia of the outside world within the Kerr-McDonald household, and that only continued after Kerr likely did something to Jalik, where they blamed everyone else for what happened and then perpetuated the theme of being the victims in the situation. They, you know, Kerr, typical of an abuser now turned the whole situation around to him being the victim here. They're they're trying to target me. They've been trying to pin this on me since the beginning. We've done nothing wrong, sure. Yeah. I mean, God, he just has the most like if you look up that there's like this chart of abuse and it's like every single box this guy ticks. It's Yeah. I mean it's it's very clear and and you're right. It's it's he obviously took in put his paranoia of the of the world um, or anyone controlling anything but him on his on his family. For sure. Yeah. Poor Jalik deserved a chance at a normal life, a happy life, but with the current system in place, it seems like that was never an option for him, which is horrible. But I, yeah. you know, really can only hope that at least in his short 12 years that the people who did seem to care and love him did show him the kind of, life that was possible for him and that he actually felt love from them. I think he surely did, at least from his grandmother, it seems. And I mean, that at least makes me feel a little bit better because the family that adopted him clearly just couldn't give a shit about him. Yeah. Clearly. If he were still alive today, he would be 24 years old. So this is quite a long time ago. Um, yeah. Hopefully one day, Something will happen where I always hope that the people who do these commit these kinds of crimes supposedly, but I think we all know we really did it. But supposedly, you know, if Stephen Curry committed this crime, I always hope someone like him is gonna just speak to the wrong person or with enough time that's passed, somebody that knows something can speak out. I always hope that that will be the case. I don't know if it ever will happen. I mean, you, you're you right. It might not ever happen, but you kind of can't give no. up hope because there's times when people decide to um, finally confess. Yeah. And uh, it's it'll be unfortunate because it kind of makes you makes you hate, hate um, you know, the situation a little bit more because it's like, dude, you could have resolved this yeah. years ago. But, but, you know, I don't I think that the for the, you know. No matter what, if his grandma—I mean, his grandmother's still alive. His—he still has foster parents that still love him. Um, some mm-hmm. somebody's gonna somebody's got to break at some point. It's just like with the Tara Grinstead case. Like some that was twelve years, and you know those guys that killed that she was a, a teacher in uh, Georgia, I think. But yeah, she—you mm-hmm. know—people she. 
they just those those stupid guys like told people here and there that you know were like they didn't really believe them and then finally someone that did kind of believe him came out and spoke to the police it's like this lady if she ever breaks free of steven or if he dies even you know something surely can can come out and that's why i wanted to cover it is because you know i feel like the the biggest tragedy of all would be that it's just completely forgotten and this guy just goes about a normal life like he's gotten away with with it forever but if if yeah Agreed. if somehow me talking about it can make three thousand people hate this guy's guts then <laughs> i'm happy Well, i mean you just never know who you also never know who's listening and there may be somebody who um is from that area who might just happen to have a family story that was told or something i mean there's that's always true. that that's the interesting thing about technology and um and where we are in 2019 is that even though this story is not that old it has been so many years since it's happened mm -hmm. um that it is technically considered an older case and uh things can always change and we see it every day that's definitely true yeah somebody just got arrested yeah. the other day yeah so oh man please if you do know something if you have any information about poor jaleek rainwalker's disappearance Stephen kerr yeah. needless to say he didn't give a lot of information and he's the last one to see yeah him. like there's yeah. there's he's got he, it's glaringly obvious that he has more he at least knows more than he's telling so yeah okay so that's gonna be the end for the end of our <laughs> coverage on jaleek rainwalker i hope that you're still you know in a somewhat stable emotional state at this point because i'll tell you I wanted to kill somebody named Stephen Kerr. <laughs> it's a very, um, it's a very enraging case. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a hard one. Uh, but thank you for listening, everybody. But, oh. but it is, it's important to do. It is. And I, you know, uh, it's like one of those where I've honestly been, I've had this on my list for a while and I was like, I don't think I'm in the emotional place to, <laughs> to cover this at this point, but I think. It was time. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad everybody listened. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Holly, so much for coming and joining me on this with such short notice. You are yeah, thank a true queen of my life oh well thanks for asking i had a lot of fun well as much fun as telling the story <laughs> yeah i've had a lot of um good time interacting yes. with you and just uh yeah just having you know a different situation where i'm not the one telling yeah all of the details uh, I, i've liked it I, we have you know talked about you coming on the show anyway but this isn't exactly what i was planning because i want you to be able to have a little more input in what we like talk about so we'll do, we'll also do that again we'll do it again but yeah. with with more than 24 hours notice like i don't even think you, i don't think <laughs> yeah. you even got that i think it was less than that i think it was like 12 so you, <laughs> yeah so you are the babeliest babe alive and i do appreciate mm -hmm. it well, <clears throat> well thanks for having me hopefully i did it uh i did creep it real oh you definitely everyone. did everybody <laughs> everybody already loves you and and if they don't then now they are gonna love you but that so that said you have your own podcast that everybody can check out and should if you're not already called murder up yeah it's just a, it's murder up podcast uh i do it with my co-host daniel um it's i just tell a murder story to him every week he doesn't he's not a true crimer so it's kind of uh bringing him into the community a little bit and frustrating him and making him angry about <laughs> the same type situations. <laughs> it's a great dynamic. Cause like you said, he, he doesn't, 
he doesn't come into the story knowing anything, and so Holly's telling him stories, and he's reacting to the stuff that happens, which, as you yeah. can imagine and probably do yourself, it's we're all like, what the fuck? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Uh, he's he's a he's a a living gift. That's what he is. <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh, and there's just there's tons of good little references y'all drop throughout, and you also have another podcast that. I don't have any clue about, but I'm sure it's a delight, and I'm sure there's a plenty of Game of Thrones fans out there that listen that would be interested. Yeah, it's called Throne Thugs. It's just a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast. Um, we covered the entire series, and we're covering the final season. Uh, so yeah, yeah. If you're into Game of Thrones and you um, are caught up, definitely. Uh, I would suggest checking that out. It's similar. We just shoot the shit. We talk about the show, and then I recap the episode. So I'm sure, like one day when I watch it, I'll be like, I'm gonna go back and listen to all all those all those <laughs> podcasts about it. I've I've had some people tell me that they were like, oh, I never can remember this person's name, and you are always on top of it. So like, I I've had friends, you know, text me, and they'll be like, hey, can you explain the situation to me? <laughs> so the show is kind of like that where. If um, somebody has a question, I'll be like, oh, this is this person. Oh, so. yeah, which I'm – see, that's probably – okay, because I'll be honest. I have watched – I have watched, like, maybe a couple episodes before, but, like, long ago, mm-hmm. and I just was like, what? I was, like, just overwhelmed. <laughs> huh? <laughs> so, yeah, it probably would help. It's a lot of – it's a lot of information, and I'm I'm a super nerd uh, when it comes to – um, at least with the the books in the show, so uh, it kind of that was kind of our starting point for that. So um, that's just just again, it's a fun show yeah. we're just doing through the through the end of the season. So I mean, everybody I know that loves Game of Thrones loves your show, so I'm sure you would too oh, if you're out there lis- listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just can't speak for myself. I can't be that disingenuous. Um, so that said, also we're going to be both of us and the Bumble Butts are going to be at Ooh. the Turcog. Tur- <laughs> Uh, the chicago true crime festival july yeah what was it something 13 to 12 (laughs) something around that point it's that saturday hold on yeah (laughs) it's the 13th okay i'm like 16th for sure okay no so okay we both of us and the bumble butts are going to be at the chicago true crime festival july 13th in chicago you can look online under Chicago True Crime Festival and see who's all going to be. There's going to be like a butt ton of people there. There's tons of people going to be yeah. there. Um, I mean, just out of our own little like little circle-y kind of thing, there's uh, – I know Death by Champagne is going to be there. I don't remember who else, though. There's a bunch of other people. So, yeah, it's definitely like um, – I, I feel like there's a podcast signing up like every day. So Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a good list of people, and it's it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's like um, a whole like event to line up, like the panel and stuff. So they've got a whole lot of – um interesting like little things to do mm-hmm. and it'll just be fun to meet everyone yeah it's gonna be super fun i'm excited i i think i'm gonna like bring you know some merchandise to it i suppose and so 
you know, you can buy some stuff or meet people in person. I mean, I'm excited, I think, to meet a couple of people in person. I mean, obviously you, Holly, but oh, obvi- <laughs> obviously the Bumble Butts. Obviously. <laughs> um, oh, obviously yeah. them too. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> but also there's other people there that are going to be there that I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to schmooze with some, you know, some podcasters. Yeah. It seems like everyone's kind of treating it as a vacation too. So it seems like, um, we'll have a good bit of time to kind of like, you know, hang out and schmooze with everyone and stuff. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm pretty jazzed about it. Yeah. It'll be really fun. I think we'll be able to eat some good food. I'm kind of wanting to go to the museum because it's pretty, it's a pretty rad museum, but. Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff to do. I mean, I really, honestly, I I loved it when I went, I just clapped. I always do that. Why do I do that? Why? In the microphone? I'm like, the best thing to do right now is clap. Tickets are still, I think, early bird right now. I don't know when they're no- yeah. not going to be. But, yeah, go check it out if you want to hang with us. You can come to the tr- – why do I keep saying Chicago? Chicago True Crime Festival. Okay. Uh, so I got worked up talking about it. Okay. I'm going to let Holly go. She's been on the phone with me for now for two hours. But So if you want to <laughs> email us for any reason, the email is creepitrealpod at gmail.com. Uh, there's Creeper Real Pod on Instagram, Twitter, you know, blah, 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 yada, yada, you know, all the stuff. If you want to be a real sweetie and go rate and review us, that would be great, uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, do the same for Murder Up Podcast. Go, go give us five stars at least. And if you want to, you know, go the extra mile and leave us a positive review, that would be even cooler. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, everybody have a good day. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> we'll see you next time.